The All Things Techie Podcast is a product of the Extreme Media Network. For advertising and sponsorship opportunities, please visit www.extrememedia.ie. That's X-T-R-E-M-E, media.ie. Audiovisual from an Irish perspective. This is the All Things Techie Podcast. It is the All Things Techie Podcast. I am Justin Dawson, your host. Way to episode 45 listeners of the All Things Techie Podcast. And I want to thank you beforehand for all your votes of support in the AV Nation Reader's Choice Awards for 2020. Unfortunately, I got to the finals but could not beat off Chris Netto who is just a legend in the audiovisual world with his AV in the AM hashtag, his AV happy hour, and all the marketing and everything that he does for the AV industry um, globally. And just to be a David V. Goliath moment against Chris Netto, I always thought he was going to pick it up. Very close competition, though, I have to say. Um, and even uh, the guys over in avnation.tv have said it as well that it was one of the categories with over 18,000 votes and 2,000 votes in the difference. So it was close and we'll go again. We'll go next year again. Um, though it was still a great week. It was still a great week. I uh, presented in front of the European Commission Informal Working Group on uh, Conference Technologies. And my subject matter was Conference Technologies in Higher Education. So uh, that was such an honor to do and delighted to be part of the working group. So uh, thank you guys for uh, getting me involved in that. Now, I have a great lineup of a program here. Uh, under the spotlight this month is Kevin Moore. Who's Kevin Moore? Uh, I'm sure you know the name. Uh, Kevin Moore retired in 2000. He is the Director of Creative Technology Ireland, CT Ireland, the Irish Division of the International Creative Technology Group until his retirement at the end of 2020. CT Ireland was formerly Ion Solutions and is Ireland's premier supplier of broadcast and professional AV systems, live event technical production services and provision of managed services and employs a total of 70 plus people in the group in Ireland. Among other achievements, Kevin was a key part of the team that was awarded the, an IBC Innovation Award at the 2013 IBC convention with their client RTE and technology partner TMD for the FAST project at RTE to provide file-based ingest and transmission facilities for the Irish National Broadcaster. Well, Kevin did retire in 2020, at the end of 2020, as we hit into another lockdown in Ireland. And he said he just wanted to get a couple of files in order uh, until I nailed him down at the beginning of February and asked him, when are we doing this uh, under the spotlight? And do you know what? It was a great conversation. Kevin and I could have stayed on a Zoom call all night long talking about tech and his stories and everything that's going on. But I have edited the podcast and uh, won't name the names of people that came up in the podcast because we did talk off mic for a long time afterwards. Kevin is under the spotlight in episode 45 of the All Things Techie podcast. Have a listen. I've been meaning to try and get hold of you for quite some time, especially when I've been at some of your road shows and just know that you have a background in audiovisual that spans decades. I hate to say it, but Kevin is the first interviewee that we've had on the program that is actually a retired uh, AV professional now. So some Kevin, of us would say escaped. Escaped the madness. Where did it all begin, Kevin? I um I, I always had a, a love of electronics, um, even as a kid. And so when I finished school, I went to Carlo, um, regional tech as it was at the time, way before the uh, institutes of technology, and I did electronic engineering. So didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do. I kind of liked the idea of being a cameraman, although I knew nothing about what that entailed. But you know, there are. 1970 something not too many jobs in cameramen around so anyway I, I saw a job advertised as a junior language lab technician with a company called AEL who were a Belfast based company and so I applied for that and got the job so my first gig was actually servicing language laboratories in uh, in colleges Trinity and Carlo and UCD in fact your your place and many others Tanberg language labs as they were at the time 
And then the company were also involved. They were the Sony dealer at the time for Sony Video. And so uh, I kind of like the look at that. That looked very much aligned with what I did. So started playing around with the machines. They moved me into hire, did that for a bit. Then they moved me into sales and did that for the rest of my life, really, after that. Um, so that's kind of how I got into it. And, and, you know, I just seemed to have an aptitude for it. And I loved it. I mean, video, it was so exciting. It was so exotic, you know, uh, and I, I lapped up everything there was to do, to do with that. A couple of years after that, then in AEL, I was there for about two years and a couple of colleagues, uh, some of whom I'm sure some people know, Mike Tierney and uh, Jerry Kachansky, uh, set up PVL, asked me to join, and I stayed with PVL then for almost 15 years before leaving there and then joining John Roach in Eurotech. Um, really because Eurotech at that stage were more aligned with where I was interested in. They were doing a lot of broadcast orientated stuff. Um, mm. PVL was moving more towards AV and not to denigrate AV by any means, but broadcast was my heart and soul. I just love broadcast. And so uh, moved to Eurotech in, in 93 and uh, that was it till the bitter end, really. Yeah, so like we, I did, I did have that question as well. It, the name's CT. It's it's been murders upon murders. So Eurotech, then Ion, and then CT <laughs> is, is the chain of command. Is it got got, got a bit uh, confusing for a while? Um, so Eurotech, when we had Eurotech back around about ninety six, we established AV Tech as our AV staging and rental division. Mm -hmm. uh, we wanted to give it its own brand, its own team, its own people. So it, it, it was actually a separate you know, team completely, um, actually a separate limited company, but owned by Eurotech. And the reason we wanted to do that was to, to, to really give it focus. You know, it wasn't going to get mished up with the, the sales arm, the installations arm. Um, so that made perfect sense because at that stage in the 90s and into the 2000s, there were very different businesses. What we were selling and installing in Eurotech predominantly, you know, post-production systems. We were selling, you know, lightworks. We were selling flames. We were selling, you know, high-end production equipment plus cameras and all that kind of stuff for broadcast. AV Tech was very much around AV rental uh, projection, you know, all that kind of stuff. Mm. So different customer bases. Move forward to 2017, 2018, uh, the two companies running very successfully in parallel for, for all that period. Uh, but what we had noticed was that what we, we came up with a phrase called converged divergence. So what does that mean? Um, what what it means that? is that, yeah, previously the two businesses were diverged, broadcast sales and so on, AV rental and so on. What we noticed is that on the, on the equipment side, AV tech had become a lot more sophisticated. So we were actually using a lot of AV tech in broadcast jobs and broadcast tech in AV jobs. Our AV business had grown a lot. At the same time, a lot of our customers started using both sides of the company. So we'd have a client saying, well, why have I got to do a rental with this side, but a sale with this side? And it just got, it made sense to bring the teams together. Mm -hmm. So in 2018, we brought the teams together. We rebranded the organization as Ion Solutions. And to go to market with a complete offering of rental, of sales, of support, of outsourced services, the whole nine yards, everything. And that was hugely successful for us very quickly. Uh, so much so that at uh, the end of 2018 into the beginning of 2019, um, CT Creative Technology, who were one of the largest of the AV company staging and, and uh, technical production companies in the world, approached us to say, look, would you act as our agents in Ireland? We have a lot of clients who are global clients who have a presence in Ireland that we need to deliver services for. Would you act as our local um, delivery point for that? So we discussed all that. And after a month, they said, you know what? Actually, we'd like to acquire you. Um, we really like the look of what you guys are doing. You fit very well with us. Are you interested? So we talked about that for a while and did the deal. And, and so became part of CT then in July 2019. And it's really funny because we were, as we were going back through, you know, if you ever want to know the history of your company, get involved in merger talks because you start pulling paperwork out that you haven't seen in decades. Uh, we, we used to do a lot of work with CT back in the 90s as we hired from them in our UK operation. Oh, wow. UK operation. And right. so they were actually a vendor to us. So it was kind of very, you know, completing the circle by becoming part of the CT family then in 2019. 
and uh, uh, you know the timing was uh, immaculate from our point of view, given what happened in 2020. To be honest with you, yes, yes. So, <laughs> yeah. let's, let's let's actually go down that Pandora's box or open up that rabbit hole and go yeah. down. Like, where does the future lie for? AV hire companies in Ireland, and like I, I think it's a global pandemic, so it's yeah, it's hitting it's, the yeah. live event industry globally. Some have adapted to survive. We know we won't name the companies that are actually going out there and doing the likes of virtual meetings, virtual seminars, renting out spaces that that they might have used before for live events. But there's only so long where that can continue. Do you see the live events industry being able to pick up after what's happened? Yeah, I, I think there's a few things there. Um, you know, I, I think virtual event spaces are going to be part of the mix, you know, forever in the same way as remote working, I think is going to be part mm. of the mix for people forever. I don't think we're ever going to go back to, to not having that. Um, but having said that, you know, at the end of the day, humans are social creatures. And I mean, I don't know about you, but I can't wait to the time when I can go and physically visit, you know, a vendor's premises again or go to an exhibition again or, or whatever. Um, so, you know, large corporations want to bring their teams together because that's where the innovation comes out of. Um, with the best will in the world, people are treading water doing virtual events. It's maintaining communication. It's maintaining, you know, a presence. It's maintaining education to an extent. But, you know, it's three guys around a coffee table at coffee break who come up with an idea. And, and I think that globally, all organizations will want to get back to that. Now, I think it'll take time. I don't know that 2021 is going to be when it happens. Maybe last quarter, there might be a few things, but it's kind of hard to see the way things are going. Um, having said that, I think virtual, you know, we've all learned an awful lot about virtual. We, we sat down when, when the whole thing kicked off at the beginning of last year and said, okay, guys, what are we going to do? I mean, our business in February just collapsed. It stopped completely yeah. in, in live, as did everybody else's. So we sat down in February and said, what are we going to do? And this is where the benefit of being part of someone like CT kicked in because we were able to call on, on London in particular and borrow equipment from them to ramp up and provide virtual spaces very, very quickly, um, which we couldn't have done. It gave us breathing space to try and catch up with what was going right. on yes yeah so that was a massive benefit for us and and so we were able to pivot very quickly and i think you know if you look at the established companies and there are you know you know them around ireland as well as as well as i do some of the, the companies that we would work closely with and you know people like avcom and, and organizations mm. like that they they've they've sat down very quickly and figured out where is the business and what can maintain us now it's not at the level where any of us would want it to be but you know, it's keeping it's keeping the payroll going and it's keeping those staff occupied. Um, and I think that you know, it, it's it's vital that we maintain those skills. The big scary challenge for all of us in this industry is that we lose the skill sets. Um, if if a camera operator or a sound operator has to go off and get a job in a in another industry, we've lost that skill, and there aren't enough of them in well, normal times it. in the business. Maybe maybe a camera operator or a. a sound operator will be able to pick up the idea of live streaming and go okay i'll, I'll stick an encoder onto this and lo and behold we have a live stream but when you have people that work in the rental areas that look after the procurement that look after the equipment coming back in and going back yeah. out your sales team you know you can't really get these type of people to adapt and when, well, you can. We we put a huge amount of energy into training um, last year, and and you know when we all went into lockdown, we said okay, we didn't lay any staff off. We let we ended up laying off a couple of staff during the summer, but it was, you know, around drivers and so on, where we just could not. There was no driving being done, you know. Yeah. Um, but we maintained all our technicians and we cross skilled a lot of them. And one of the advantages we had in CT is because we had the hardware install division. 
Uh, and that business didn't really drop significantly because those projects were planned and, and were, were, you know, in progress anyway. So, you know, we'd be careful of social distancing and so on. But, but by and large, they, they, they largely carried on. We were able to redeploy a lot of our live AV technicians into our install teams to assist them because where we would often use freelance install people for hanging screens or doing whatever, we would bring our own te AV technicians in. So, you know, in many ways, we were lucky and our colleagues in CT throughout the world were looking at Ireland as the model uh, to the extent that the UK have now established a hardware team based on the model that we've had because they could see that that sustained our team throughout throughout 2020. Um, we, we, our technicians were flat out um, by, because we redeployed and we cross-trained and we put energy into that. So I think coming out of it, our team, our team were really happy because they learned new skills they maintain their jobs, uh, you know, they, they have something to point as well, Kevin, that like, you're blessed that these mergers came at the right time. Yeah. Because a smaller Irish AV companies, and we don't, again, we don't need to name the companies. We, we know which ones we're talking about. Like, mm. if they have been predominantly all their life an AV rental company, they were either adapt or 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 die, and we've over a couple, yeah. we've we've seen a couple of of losses out of them. Do you think that the live events sector is going to return to any normal? I I think it will, but again, I would caution that probably not before at best last quarter of this year, yeah. um, if at all. I I would suspect you know twenty twenty two before we see it, but I think it will because I think again going back to what I say, you know, humans. I I mean, you know, I've got concert tickets, you know, and and like Genesis has been postponed twice, and now it's yeah, happening yeah. in September, you know, and like I want to go to that show, you know, and I think it's going to be the same for for corporate events, you know, you want to one of the 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 parts of the job that I always really enjoyed was going to the manufacturers' annual conferences, be it Sony or be it harmonic or be it crestron or be it anybody because they're they're educational they're interesting it's a change of scenery and i think people want to get back to that oh i big really time. do I got, and, and, uh, 2020 sure the the last quarter of well the quarter three and quarter four of 2020 yes there was plenty of virtual av events to to be involved in my wife was still on maternity leave it gave me time to attend all these virtual events but it's not the same. Okay, we. I experienced once that I would not have the finances to get on a plane and go to a hotel and pay the ticket to attend, but we're still just hearing about the product. We're seeing it virtually as a product. We're not feeling the product. And with even with trade shows like that, you're listening to someone, you try and get a Q&A or you get a contact with someone, but after that, you don't really follow up on it because yeah. you haven't physically touched it, played with it. You know, see, does it actually have the inputs physically yourselves or the outputs yeah. um, on a box or, you know, or be able yeah. to. Uh, and that's, I think, is I, what's missing with ISE. And, and I agree with you. And, and I, you know, like even take an ISE as a good example. You know, if, if you were in the in the market for, I don't know, a new, a new switcher, you might go to, to a vendor and you might have in your head that this is probably the one that I'm going to go with. You talk to the, the, the team there, the sales guy or whoever it is, you get the nitty gritty, but then you walk across the hall to the competitor to look at theirs, armed with knowledge of what you've just seen. And yes. you can't, it's very hard to do that in a virtual world because you can't cross from vendor A's webinar to vendor B's webinar and you know cross compare. Well, hey, it's got four inputs and those inputs are switchable or blah, 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 whatever it might be. You know, how does yours compare? It, it ain't the same. And I think that is where the virtue of, for every industry, not just our industry, but for every industry, whether you're selling cars or yachts or whatever, is that ability to compare what you're seeing from the vendors out there. And so I, I absolutely think it will come back. I think there is a want and a willingness, um, but I think that we will see a lot more augmentation of those things with more webinars or more or more uh, virtual events. And I think the grammar of the virtual event has been defined and developed over the course of the last year. I think if you look at the events that are taking place now by, by anybody, um, they're a lot more advanced, a lot more sophisticated. I think, you know, for the first month or two, it was just, it was an extended webinar. Now it is a production 
And, it is, yeah. um, you know, we're, we're seeing that in CT. We were seeing that, that our, our key clients were saying, well, we need to up the ante here. We need to deliver a higher level of a production value into the event. And, and I, 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 could, I, I couldn't agree more, but I also think the extra layer and the incentive to want to join it as an attendee, whether you're an end user, whether you're an integrator or where, whether you're looking to just pick up some knowledge that I personally go to these events, one to network as do it, does everyone else. But two, like you like going around the stores and picking up a piece of swag. Mm. You know, even if it's a, yeah. a pen, a keyboard, a USB key, or something. Branded clothing, you know. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going like, to do for that. As I'm yeah, you know, like, uh, like uh, uh, I have to actually go out and buy clothes. But with that in mind, you know, like the only one that I have to, and I keep on selling it on the podcast, the LTSMG, the Learning Teaching Space Management Group, that's for UK and Ireland for higher ed. You know, they actually sent out a swag box before their conference as an incentive. And I always think ISE missed the boat. Well, not not even ISE, Infocom during the, the summer of quarter three, quarter four, they missed the boat. They could have approached all these vendors and said, would you like to send out something to the attendees that have signed up for the course? And out of all the virtual events that I was on, the LTSMG was the only one that actually took on board. Here's a list of attendees that are coming to our event that are working in higher ed, would you like to send out a box? I think it made the difference. It it, it, it sells it sells the message home. If ISE takes place in in the summer, I actually think that's what they should be approaching. That's, you know, even if it's a hybrid model and as well with the Infocom, you know, um, do you see the, do you see them happening? Do you see Barcelona happening in the summer? I, you know, in November, I would have said, yeah, I, I'm less I'm less sure about it now. Mm. Um, I, I think Barcelona is going to be a challenge for the summer. I really do. Um, I, I, I would struggle because, I mean, apart from anything, you know, manufacturers need to commit. They, it, it, it's an expensive proposition. And, uh, you know, everybody lost a fortune last year. They had booths designed, they had hotels booked, they had everything up. Um, I, I think there'd be a lot of cautiousness about committing at this stage, given where we are with vaccine rollout and with, with the predominance of new strains and so on. Um, so I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be booking an airplane at this point. Anyway, that's, that's for mm. sure. I think, I think 2021 is going to be tough on that. You know, NAB have moved to what, November, I think, and IBC are talking about October. Um, it's a busy month, November. It, like you, I, if you were attend, attending them all, Infocom as well, happening in November yeah. as well. I, yeah. I don't think an Infocom will get the international audience that. Well, you know, the only rider on that might be that if if Barcelona doesn't happen and if by the autumn, uh, you know, the situation is fairly stable, uh, vaccines have been rolled out and so on, then there might be a pent up demand to get somewhere, <laughs> frankly. <laughs> and, uh, you know, maybe Infocom would be the the, the destination of choice. I, I, I can't say for sure. Um, but, you know, I think 2022, look, it's not going to be me, but I, I think 2022 is more likely when we're going to see some sense of, of normality creeping back. Um, but I think it will come back. You know, I, I think... It might creep back slowly, but it will come back because, as I say, at the end of the day, you know, humans like that interaction. And I think for, for every industry, I think we're going to see the Frankfurt car show. I think we're going to see all these things come back, albeit maybe baby steps in the early days. Mm. Let's, 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 let's return to some of your historic moments in, um, I, I'm making you say it say not, but your historic moments in, in audiovisual. Tell me about like one of your favorite projects that you, you worked on through the years. You must have several at this stage. Well, you know, I, I in in preparation for um, for chatting to you, Justin, I, I made a few notes there over the last day or so just to refresh my own memory. And I, it, it actually is amazing. I mean, there's quite a lot. I mean, you know, there, there are many highlights that I would point to. Uh, for instance, the, uh, the establishment of TG4, uh, Tina G as it was, course, 1996. Yeah. Um, that was, in fact, I mean, that was the world's first video server-based automated playout television station. Wow. And I didn't know that. That was our, 
that was our design. It was our concept. And we pulled in Omnibus and, and uh, New Stars was at the time and Avid together. And, and there was software, bespoke software written to make that all happen. Um, you know, they had visitors from all over the world coming to see it. So, you know, that was a big feather in our cap. It was our, that was our PowerPoint, our, our whiteboard where we sketched out with all this new technology, what we figured could be done and then pulled a team together and, and got it done. Now, having said that, it was a bit of a horror story for the first few weeks, you know, we were watching closed eyes that the server would keep playing. It took a while to sort out those initial bugs, right. but it got there and, and, uh, and pointed the direction for the future for TV stations. So that was a highlight, uh, one I was very proud of. It also had one of the lowlights in, in, in my life in that, uh, 31st of October 1996 was the on-air date for TG4. Mm -hmm. uh, we were all staying in uh, in Spittle, in a small hotel in Spittle, uh, just down the road because close to, to the premises. And four days before on-air, there was a massive storm uh, flooded over into the car park and my car woke up in the morning to three foot of oh, salt seawater. <laughs> <laughs> Not just mine, everybody else's. Yeah. So four days before we went live, my car was a write-off. So uh, that was a stressful moment. <laughs> I think at least it wasn't the studio. Like, I, I, and, yeah. you know, it, it, I know. You know, like you hear about these floods and uh, yeah, that like 96, yeah, there was, that, that the, the recent flood in Galway was a repetition nearly of what happened in 96. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. was that, so, that, was, that was stressful? It actually made it made the first TG Cahar news bulletin when they went live. Uh, it was a good story. So. Yeah, our, our AV teams, the uh, car is floating out to sea at the moment. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So that was a that was a big highlight. There were a few others. I mean, there was one that, that just came to mind. Um, we, we were uh, we were agents for Lightworks. Um, I don't know if anybody remembers Lightworks, but it was a, a, a nonlinear editor competed with Avid at the time, but had a very strong niche in, in the film market to the extent that uh, Martin Scorsese's editor still uses Lightwork. She, she prefers that. But um, it was during the filming of Braveheart, uh, they were using Lightwork's editors on hire from Eurotech for the offlining of Braveheart in Ireland at the time, uh, and then moved to LA to do, to do further work on, on the offline. Um, I happened to be going to LA to a graphics program, SIGGRAPH at the time was in, in Los Angeles. Uh, and while I was there, they had a fault on their light works in Warner Studios, uh, problem with a drive. So I got a call from John Roach saying, Kevin, you'd never nip over to Warner's with you and have a quick look at that light works. So I popped over down the road to light works and we got the light works sorted and restored the drive and got them up and running. So, you know, our boast was like, you might be in Los Angeles and we're in Dublin, but our tech support, we were there in five hours. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, just absolutely incredible stories. You know, like, did, did, was there ever any time, Kevin, in your, in your AV times where you just went, I could actually go work for one of the state broadcasters and be their engineer or yeah. did they, or were you always happy in, in what you were doing with, you know, that's a good question, Justin, because like, you know, I've touched on a couple of interesting things there and there many other interesting, like the RT Fast project that we won the Innovation Award at IBC in 2013 for, mm. along with RTE, you know, um, we, we've had a lot of, a lot of fantastic projects, but there's dark sides. And I, like, I remember, you know, the recession of 1986 when I was in PVL and we had to turn around and let, you know, 20 or 25 people go because business collapsed and, I'm the guy sitting across the desk saying, I'm really sorry, but, but you know, we've no work for you. And that's hard. Um, mm. and, and again, in 2009, the recession, you know, where we had to sit down and take similar choices where, where business collapsed. And you have to do these things to maintain an organization and maintain its health. So they're the low points. So at those kind of things, you sort of say, my God, you know, I'd be better off in a state organization that pays my wages and it's somebody else's problem. But you know, at the end of the day, I think people like us, particularly in this industry, I think we feel too constrained generally under the, you know, I, I, I've often thought if I worked for a large company, I'd really struggle to fit in because I've been so used over my career to be able to make my own decisions in consultation with a couple of clients, but, or a couple of colleagues. Um, but, you know, largely you, you live or die 
by your own decisions and and thankfully they tended to work out pretty good so all in all no i think i enjoyed the freedom that i could i could make the judgment call right or wrong and if it was wrong well it's my rap fair enough uh, i'll take that rap but if it's right you know that was my call as well so i think all in all i'd preferred that dynamic going down that route and talking about recessions and having to let people go without having to name anyone like that that's just thought came in on the top of my head did you ever let go of any member of staff due to recessions and just go god i wish i could have him back or did you ever hire back straight after things picked up again both both of the above i have to tell you you know um although what we have tended to do the couple of thankfully thankfully those are really the only two times Mm. um that, that we've had to do it even last year during covid as i say a couple of couple of uh of, of roles were gone but not very many and um uh, it, it wasn't really a terrible uh, situation we were in um, but during those ones we we maintained we were adamant that we would maintain the brain power to the best of our ability mm-hmm. so sad to say it was more junior staff that we let go during those times even though economically we could have saved a lot more money by letting the more experienced staff go because they were the higher salaries. Um, so, you know, when you're going through your balance sheet, you know, it's easy to pick a big number and get rid of that yeah. as opposed to two or three smaller ones. But we were, it goes back to what I said earlier, the skills shortage in our industry, our, our approach was always, you know, if you've got that intellectual property, um, that's what makes the company. We, we don't sell equipment. We don't, you know, we, we sell brain power. Yeah. We sell the idea yeah. that uh, I can take this piece of kit and this piece of kit and put it together like this, and it will do this. Um, and and that's always been our approach. And to do that, you need the clever people. And to keep the clever people, you've got to pay them and you've got to stick with them in good times and bad. And you know, as owners of the company at the time, we would take substantial pay cuts and maintain our staff at, at their level because and that's a fantastic to. philosophy to have with the company. You know, it's, and it's essential. It's essential. Yeah. It's essential, but I can I can say that you don't see the same model across all companies, unfortunately. Yeah. But it's a, it's an essential model. Yeah. You you mentioned <laughs> you mentioned Galway. You mentioned one of that that being one of your hides and lows of your car going missing. Tell me about a time where I use the word shit hit the fan. Like you, you probably have. Like, don't tell me everything was always gold. It was all perfect. Never had a problem. Never had a problem. <laughs> no, we have. And, and yeah, I mean, I, I'd, I'd be lying if I didn't. I mean, I mentioned TG4 and it was a project we were all intensely proud of. But we were there crossing our fingers every day of the week for the first three months that the software would stay on air. Mm. Because you'd be watching a commercial and it would stop. And, and you know, you had to fight your way through that and, and, and stick with it and pull whoever you needed to pull to pull it through and and you know we had some some challenging meetings during those things in the early days to get it right but we got it right after after a couple of months we got those issues resolved and it was good ever since you know we've done major projects i don't particularly want to name names but there was a pretty large digital archive project that we did for a state organization a few years ago and again the software vendor that we were working with um uh, shall we say, under-delivered on, on, on promised functionality. And, nice. uh, and, and that was that led to some pretty challenging meetings, I have to tell you. Um, and so, you know, the, the, the shit has certainly hit the fan in a few of them. Um, but I think you have to take the attitude of, look, I own this problem. I'm going to turn up. I'm going to sit across the table at that meeting. I'm going to accept that, that, you know, heated fan in my face. And I'm going to make the best effort to try and resolve it and I think our approach has always tried to be you know accept that things are going to go wrong but have a contingency you know if the archive isn't going to work well what's our backup does that need to be a tape system does it need to be a more simplified does it need to be a computer with a video card in it you know there's got to be a plan b that at least maintains a level of functionality for the client and I think if you work with clients on that basis always and you work with them honestly you know in in the main you will maintain their confidence and they know that you're doing your very best i mean you know we tell people at the outset they know it anyway we're not writing the software we are managing the implementation of the software we're 
dragging programmers, kicking and screaming to the table where they need to be. And that's our job. Mm. Back to what I talked about earlier, intellectual property. That's that's our role. <coughs> Excuse me. Now you you mentioned like those those are projects that you've worked on. Now on a different level of live events, I I know mm. from talking with Simon, like you guys have been involved with so many different live events throughout the yeah. past. The Pope visit to Dublin, you know. There has to be a, a top five or a top, even top three of events that you yeah. just go, wow, I'm so proud that that was ours. I, and there are, I mean, whether, you know, top five or top three or top 20, you know, uh, I think our live events team are an incredible team. They're so creative. They are so dedicated and they are just, you know, they will leave no stone unturned to deliver. And I think that's why they have the reputation that they have. You know, highlights that you would have mentioned, absolutely, the Pope's visit. That was an amazing thing. I mean, we had so many venues across Ireland that we were delivering, you know, LED on, PA systems on, um, you know, all sorts of, of, of supporting audiovisual projects. And that was massive. So, and, and in the middle of a storm over in in, in, uh, in Knock, you know, uh, the night before we're trying to put up a gantry to mount LED on it. And, you know, there's a hurricane blowing, you know, so um, our, our teams worked through the night, you know, to, to get that done, but we got there and, and looked great on the day. Really proud of that. One of the ones that we were very proud of is, is for the uh, commemoration of the 1916 rising. Um, yes, we 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 are the thankfully we're the, um, the nominated AV contractor for the Office of Public Works. So we did every public event during the course of that 1916 uh, commemoration season: uh, outdoor LED, indoor LED, indoor projection, outdoor projection mapping. You name it, we did it. PA systems, the whole nine yards. We had a massive team. I think we had every freelancer in the country employed on that project. Wow, and uh, and that was a huge huge project for us um but immensely proud immensely proud mm. i could not name how proud you would be of doing something on a national stage like that uh and to pull it off across you know well, such an important part of the country's history one of the most recent ones i think is newgrange and the, yes. the solstice like how you actually position a camera inside the tomb and actually be able to go please god let this work that you will actually catch on the day the sunlight coming through the solstice. How much planning goes into something like that? Um, you know, it, it's funny. There's two levels of planning that go into that, Justin. There's, uh, there's a long-term plan in that we want to make sure we've got the technology to do something like that. Not necessarily that we'd have that in mind, um, but to do any, you know, something unique. So we make sure we've got the encoders. And, and in that case, we've also satellite link and, and other bits and pieces on that. Um, but then those events can come very quickly. We could get a call and say, guys, next week we want to do X. And then our team will put their heads together and come up with a plan and, and do it. Uh, to be fair, our, our, you know, it wasn't just on the day. You know, They went up three or four days beforehand and, and did a few rehearsals and did a few recce's. And, and uh, uh, you know, we, we got a few sunrises before the actual sunrise. Um, so I, I think, uh, what is it, you know, if you fail to prepare, prepare to fail. The old saying: our, yeah. our team, our team are always prepared. They've got such a big box, and you know, it's talent as well. I mean, I keep going back to talent all the time, and you know, we we had people like Shane Slevin who joined us from from NEP uh, yeah. last year, one of their their top you know uh, guys, uh, technical guys, and he's joined our team to help with those kind of events because we're again seeing a hybrid crossover where you know broadcast clients are now using av systems av clients are using broadcast systems i mean that's an av project but it's really a broadcast application yes uh, you know Absolutely. Uh, if, if you look at what we do with say rte and studio three or studio five those big led backdrops that we installed over the last couple of years mm -hmm. in there um running off this graphics they're av projects in a broadcast environment so Absolutely. you know this is the thing that we talk about all the time is that because we have that cross skill of broadcast into AV, into audio, into live events, you know, somebody on our team knows the answer to do whatever the question is. And it's it's been that innovative because, as you say, you have the likes of Ortiz backdrops. All of a sudden, the Late Late Show can't have an audience, but wait, or any of these yeah. live events doesn't have an audience, but wait, we can do 
an, a virtual audience for the likes of the toy show, for the likes yeah. of, of these, and just bring people in, you know, because, you know, maybe we first seen it in England with BBC uh, or ITV and doing, you know, um, Britain's Got Talent or any of these X Factor programs, we see it. But then, you know, it was there as an innovative idea of going, well, hold on a minute. If we can do a grid of 49 people on Zoom, surely we can do something bigger on a bigger scale with another video conferencing system, even if it is. And the software's there. Now, I've hit the nail on the head here. Software. A lot of people say AV is a branch of IT. Where does Kevin's view on this lie? Is That's AV a very, a very, very uh, interesting question and and uh, it's one we debate quite a lot you know i think if you go back 10 or 12 years ago we took a very conscious and active decision to start recruiting it professionals onto our team on engineering on sales on live events and so on um, to build up the it skill level in the organization mm. um, we our experience i think would show us over the years that and i i firmly believe this it's it's easier to train uh, an IT professional to become an AV professional than it is to train an AV professional to become an IT professional, with exceptions, okay? <clears throat> Except there's always exceptions. Um, some, some people are very smart on computers and networks and so on, and, and, and they take to it, and that's fine. But what we are trying to make sure we've got is somebody who, like, somebody who, who gets the application of the technology, and I mean, I don't mean the technical application, I mean the, the user experience. What we're doing now, you know, it's all very well for some techie somewhere to design a piece of software like Zoom, um, but if it doesn't work from the user's point of view and the user's interface doesn't work and the audio is no good or whatever else, uh, then it's a waste of time. So we, we took the approach that if you get IT guys, then their base skill set is IT. So we can park that, we need that, we know that's the base skill. Now we'll teach them about video and we'll teach them about audio and we'll teach them what good video is, what bad audio is, what good audio is, what compression is, all those kind of AV video skills um, that they need to deliver the job. Now, bring that on a step forward, where are we? Um, AV is now an essential service in every organization. We know that, that's obvious never more so than, than at present. Um, one of the things that, that we're very conscious of is the thing we call function collapse. Mm. So uh, where not so long ago, you know, you have it there, we have it in many systems, you have a 19 inch rack full of compressors and limiters and scalers and you name it. Those are becoming software applications on a server. And that is going to continue more and more and more. So, you know, your typical AV installation over the next few years, in our opinion, is going to consist really of a display with a HDMI cable or equivalent going to a server rack with a server of some sort that is then running a number of services that deliver the feature set that you need. So that means that your hardware engineers are going to really struggle to find their niche if they don't have... Uh, the understanding of how to interrogate that server and find the application and set it up and configure it. However, your standard IT vendor doesn't know, doesn't want to know, doesn't care, might want the business, might say, yeah, I'm going to put, you know, a scaler as an application, but actually they don't understand what they're scaling. They don't yes. know what pixels are. They don't know what compression is. You ask them 30 frames a second, eh, what's that? Why is audio important? Well, you know, um, so that's why we think the AV skills are really important and to concentrate on teaching those. And the differentiator for us versus, you know, a standard IT vendor is that understanding of the application. Um, and I think we've had this discussion at your last trade show when you were in the RDS. You know, you can have a digital mixing desk but you know when the digital breaks down you still need to know how to twist some knobs and yeah. pull up some faders you know and you know like I've, I've been looking at my setup here you know i have a road broadcaster mic i have yeah. a bearing or mixing desk going into usb and then like i've been looking at the fact of oh you know there's some new mics that just go usb and you have the option of xlr as well and it's like but you know, when I look, went down 
and looked at the actual mic and going USB and this can has has an automatic compression on it and limiter if I if I shout into the mic, you know, I have my analog compressor underneath in a rack. And I like the fact that it's it's as good as instant if I shout into this mic or, you know, my kids walk into my room while I'm on a Zoom call. I know that they're not going to be picked up. But with other mics, with these auto softwares, it takes that lag. And we're not fully there yet where it's instant. And will we ever, you know, like big vinyl resurgence you know why are people buying vinyl because there's got a sound to vinyl that mm-hmm. you just can't get off particularly an mp3 but a cd you know there is a there 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 is a merit still in analog control if if you go into our team and you talk to you know tony lanigan or you talk to john balfour you talk to on the hardware side brendan gorman you know uh, brendan gorman just knows audio he he can he you know he knows video he knows audio he knows what's going on behind the shell and when we interview for technicians one of the first questions we ask and it's amazing how many times we don't get the answer yet one of my favorite questions okay tell me ohm's law mm. and the number of people applying for technicians jobs they haven't got a clue what ohm's law is so then it's okay what's Balanced audio versus unbalanced audio. What's the difference? Tell me, what is the difference? Mm-hmm. No, I've got a clue. You know, video SDI versus analog versus component. Yeah, no, I've got a clue. You know, this is the level of 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 base level understanding that people coming in, particularly coming through IT oriented courses, just don't have, and they don't need it because it's a different skill set. So our job when we take them in is to teach them that. And we have the people who can do that. And, you know, I think that that is really important. We've lost a number of staff to, for instance, multinationals um, because they recognize that our teams are, are, you know, pretty well trained. So they've gone and worked for that. We've lost senior engineers into RTE, for instance, um, Mm -hmm. two or three occasions where they said, you know, it got to the point point where jokingly we said to them if you keep taking our good engineers we'll send you bad ones you know but uh but i think that that is a testament to the energy that our guys put into making sure that you're equipped with the skill set so it versus uh versus av to come back to your original question i think that what we're we're even seeing this as a trend where we are starting to install systems that are being delivered centrally from um from a multinationals HQ somewhere as a pre-configured, this is the box, in you go, put it in. And we are now, you know, delivering that. But the difference we're seeing is that that's all fine. You plug it in, if it all works, absolutely happy days, but you need somebody who understands what it's doing. And yeah. that is where you still need the AV skill set because the IT guy doesn't get that. It's it's on the network, what do you want? Well, we're getting dropouts every, you know, 14 milliseconds, what's going on there? Oh, I don't know, this network, you know, if your bank, as we always say, you know, if your bank has a network and it delivers your bank statement, you know, 20 milliseconds late, who cares? Deliver your audio 20 milliseconds late, that's a problem. Yeah, that's a problem, yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you, you bring up great, great points on it, it Kevin. Um, I'm going to go into some, some quick fire questions, okay? So out of all the trade shows you go to, what's been your favourite? I love NAB. Yes, I, I can I can see where it, it was on the broadcasting end of things. Is it is it that is it that different to Infocom and 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 seeing the Infocom? yeah it is and and when I say I love NAB, I, I'll qualify it in a second. Um, I actually so I love Infocom because I learn more at Infocom. Mm. Uh, the the educational program at Infocom is phenomenal, and, and that's uh, it. Like I, that's why I want to go to an Infocom. Yeah. you don't have that type of training at ISE. Uh, it's just it's so installed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so so as a as a if you like as a as a personal development, Infocom is great. But NAB is an old boys club, and I'll be blunt about that. You know, I've been around this industry so long. I turn up at NAB, and you know, it's it's meeting colleagues that I've known for twenty years, twenty five years. And and uh, and it's in Vegas, and I know people slag Vegas off, but you know what? I like it. Um, it's it's a week of sunshine at the end of a long dark winter in Ireland, and uh, you're meeting up with some friends in a in a you know a pretty mad city. So, if I was to pick one, NAB would be the one. It sort of answered the question: If you're going to Infocom, do you like Florida or Vegas more? And I'm guessing Vegas. Yeah. 
Well, funnily enough, actually, in that instance, kind of Florida, because NAB is Vegas. Um, and, and um, you know, like with, if you take um, uh, ISE and IBC in Amsterdam and they're in Rye, you actually get really confused. Uh, it's turning up, and I'm, I'm expecting to go down to all 12 and find Grass Valley there, but actually, no, it's Samsung. Uh, and then yeah. you're saying to yourself, which show am I at? It, it, it gets a bit of that. So actually having them in different venues is uh, it, it, mentally it helps you figure out where you are. Um, and also it's nice to see Florida as well as Vegas. You touched on education. For, for people entering the AV circle, what do you think is important in the educational aspect? What, would you, what path would you lead them down? Uh, for, for, for us delivering education to them, training, you know, in other words, or what they need coming into us, you mean? Coming, coming into you. Coming in. I, well, okay, there's a couple of things. I think um, I'd really like to see the, the colleges in general who are specializing in those courses, um, putting a little more energy into fundamentals of signals. I, I think, you know, you know this, and, and most of our team know this, and, and was, I referenced it a while ago, you know, audio, what, what is audio? What, it's not just some mythical thing that lives on an MP3, you know, it's a waveform, how is it made up? What are harmonics? What is, you know, all these kind of issues that, that people aren't taught, the same with, same with video signals. I'm not saying that they need to get down to, you know, one talk P2P baseband video anymore, but they should understand what is happening with a video signal? When is a video picture overexposed or underexposed? How do you compensate for exposure? You know, the, the fundamentals of, of light that photographers learn, for instance. So I think some of that, but I think they also need to be, I suppose, taught coming in. Uh, it's a tough game. It's a tough game in the early years. And when you come in as a junior technician in whatever arena, um, you're going to be working very hard for a couple of years with pretty much no nightlife, no weekend life, <laughs> you know, and, and get over it because that's the industry you're in. Um, and and uh, if you can, if you can come into it with that passion, then then it's the most rewarding thing you could possibly have. And then for the more experienced people, like if 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 for people that would you go, would you? aim to get people into the Avixa CTS qualifications? Or? Yeah, we do, yeah, yeah. We, yeah. we have all our people go through Avixa. To, now, it's very hard to get everybody to do, you know, the CTS certification. Um, we, we try, we encourage, we actually give them points internally that as part of part of the CT group now, who are now equally, they're part of NEP at a bigger level. There is an NEP university and people get credits for achieving educational uh, qualifications in any arena so if you do cts or if you do even a manufacturer's uh, training course you accumulate points on the nep university and for that uh, then they can um, staff can can uh, accumulate swag to go back to a thing that you said earlier so it might be nice nep branded hoodies or clutch bags or god knows what um, so you know they're very much encouraged to to participate in training and we do that. We're members of the VIX, so we always have been. And we, we, uh, I have to say, over the last year, have done a huge amount of the VIX training with the team. I think it's fantastic. Those, that... I agree. But I think that that is one thing that might come out of the last year, Justin, is that I think a lot of the vendors have learned how to deliver a level of training remotely that should make it easier for them to enable, you well, know, organisations to join training without trying to trying to charge them. I've always been a decision maker, but a subject matter expert. I know my topic. Yes. And so I can make an informed decision based on my knowledge of, of the business and my colleagues, John and Graham and, and the others, and similar with other of the companies in Ireland. And, and, and I think you've hit the nail on the head there as well, Kevin. Like, the, I always say, like, being in some awards and whatever, and being finalists and whatever, and even just doing this podcast, I will never actually admit or say that I know everything. Because if any AV professional turns around and says, I have my CTS and I know everything, it's fooling themselves, you know? And you had your area and it, it, it spells out, it bleeds inside you of broadcasting and, and that end of things. But like, I'm sure it, you, you learned from experience that if I don't know an area, I'll find the best person that does know the area. 
absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And you know, who's it said that the you know the route to success is to hire people who are smarter than you. And, uh, you know, I think we've always believed that jokingly in my sales meetings, I used to say to the team, my challenge is that I've never found somebody yet, <laughs> but, <laughs> but completely facetiously. Um, and, and we have incredibly talented people who know that, you know, but I know enough to know not to get bullshitted. And I yeah. think that, you know, Absolutely. I spent my years on the road with a van, with a Sony VPH 1030 projector, you know, three gun CRT. Uh, driving to Donegal and Cork and points in between with a PA system. So no AV techie can pull the wool over my eyes yeah. in terms of what their job is, albeit they might know that, you know, analog way switcher better than I do now. Yeah, but um, I know what a switcher is and I know what a switcher does. So you can't bullshit me on a functionality. I just might not know where the buttons are. Yeah. I, uh, yeah well, I think one of the things, the philosophy that, you know, I've always had throughout my entire career and I've always passed on, you know, leading particularly the sales team in, in, in our organization is, you know, sales is a thing, Justin, that, that a sales guy is always under pressure. He's under pressure to sell mm. um, or he's under pressure to deliver. And, and I always sort of over the years have, have explained that, look, if you're not making sales, you're busting your backside to try and win sales. If you are making sales, you're busting the backside to deliver them. So you've no downtime ever in this in a sales career. Um, yeah. If if you have, you're not a good salesperson. But the balance as a sales leader is to strike a balance that you don't want so much pressure on your sales guys that they'll sell anything just to get the sale. So our our philosophy was always never think of this sale, think of the next one. There there are times when you have to say to the client, you know what? I don't have a solution for you, or I have a solution, but it's going to be too expensive, or I have a solution, but actually you're trying to spend too much money. You only need to spend half that money. You know, always tell the truth and do yes. the right thing by the client because you'll get the next sale. You know, if yes. you save the client money on this sale, I guarantee you, you will get that money on the next sale. He'll give it to you because he knows he can trust you. And I think that if you can get that across through a, a sales channel and, and a sales team, that they're not so dependent if you like on on achieving that number that they will effectively rip people off um you know if you can achieve a relationship where the client trusts you and trusts your message and you prove that your message is right then you know you will have that 20 year 25 year 30 year career but relationship with with those clients you know and and you've got to look to the long view it, it's a journey it's not a destination and, uh, and that's the way i've always looked at it and frankly it's uh, kind of worked out <laughs> how hard was it to hand over the reins like you've been in this industry for how many years 43 i said 44 but i actually think it's 43 um it'll be 44 next year i thought it was this year but let's not quibble over a year um so it, it was quite uh quite challenging but you know i had decided over a year ago to do it okay. um, and i had discussed it with with uh, john and graham my my uh, co-directors in, in ct uh, and we'd made the plan so i spent i spent most of 2020 albeit COVID was a complete curveball that none of us expected and we ended up dealing with a lot of stuff but putting in place the plans for for you know how the transition would would occur. Um, having said that, I was in the office on the 23rd of December holding my last uh, team meeting and it um, <laughs> was my wrap up. So, you know, it was running right to the end. My wife was saying, holy God, do you not take your foot off the accelerator before you go? That's just in the DNA. Um, I think I think I was ready for it though. You know, I think with CT, they're a great organization. I'm really happy that, that the organization has, has become uh, what it is now. Uh, but as somebody said to me when I was a friend of mine, you know, uh, I think it's important to get off the stage while they're still clapping instead of throwing rotten tomatoes. And and I think that's what I wanted to do. You know, I wanted to I wanted to leave the stage, let somebody else come in with with you know further ideas and carry it forward. And frankly, uh, the industry's changed, uh, not for the worse. It's just different. I'm not saying it's worse. Um, and needs probably less of what I have than it did need, um, if that doesn't sound kind of too, too, too strange. And what I mean by that is, going back to what I talked about earlier, things like function collapse. I, you know, I, 
my I think one of my talents, Justin, was you know visualizing a blank sheet of paper with all these boxes that connect and how they come and what the output of that would be. I think it's got easier to do that in terms of functionality of things. The second major part of my role was management of the company along with, with the colleagues. Um, and, and that became more and more and more part of, of the day job. Uh, and I kind of at the point now where that team is well established, there's a really good support team. We brought up a lot of middle layer people over the last few years. So the organization's in good shape. So I know I know it'll you know crack on quite happily without me being there. Will I miss it? Probably will. I'm not yet. Uh, it's early days in retirement, but uh, no doubt, no doubt, in a couple of weeks' time or a couple of months' time, I'll be, I'll be itching to try and do something. Um, you're you you're clearly a away from it. You're clearly a techie, Kevin. Are you still going to attend all the trade shows? Are you going to? I'd love to. Uh, it depends if it depends, get someone to pay for them. You know, um, yeah. <laughs> I I did say to to a couple of the guys, you know, whenever the trade shows come back, I do see. For instance, a few years ago, I, we went to IBC. Um, I brought my camper van over. So we did a tour up through France, up to Amsterdam. I went to IBC. My wife went off and did all the tourist sites. I did five days at IBC, back into the camper van, and we toured up around Holland and back around. So I could definitely see that for European-based ones. Uh, well, you're, for, you're like me, Kevin. You, you sometimes question how your wife puts up with us. You know, <laughs> you know, like, you know, like my wife at Christmas time actually turns around and says, "Okay, do you want to just give me the direct link and tell me how much it's going to cost?" Because she doesn't actually know what to buy me. You know, yeah. are you are you on the same boat as us? Oh, com completely. I frustrates the hell out of my entire family I, I have to tell you because um my son my son is is uh is 32 uh 33 this year and um he says dad would you ever stop buying stuff he says we can't buy you anything because you've got it <laughs> because yeah. they know you know i'm I, I i'm a techie i always will be a techie and uh uh, you know, I, it is literally that. What do you want, Dad? You know, you just send us the link and, and we'll pay for it. And, and I, I, I asked this as well as a hot fire question, and I'll throw it out quickly as a hot fire. Father's Day gift, if you had unlimited budget, what would be the Father's Day gift that you would love your, your son or daughter to buy you? Unlimited budget. Uh, probably home cinema. Ooh, I mean, nice. a serious... A serious home cinema you know i'm talking a 7.1 surround audio system with a you know 4k i don't know projector or whatever shut up <laughs> siri <laughs> shut up <laughs> but you know what like like let's hope your your wife has recorded that on siri as well yeah. because yeah. You know, because do you know what your wife probably will think if i actually did invest in this maybe i would have you home more often you know how are you going to now is, is you you did announce earlier uh in the year that you were retiring and you're officially retired in december but you haven't been able to do anything so what's the retirement plans once everything opens up well once everything opens up we we do i've referenced my camper van already uh motorhome really not camper van um there's a hierarchy in these things as well uh mm -hmm. And we, we do intend to get out with, you know, friends around the country that we haven't seen for a few years, Kerry in, in, in Mayo, in Donegal. And, you know, it will be nice to be able to go and visit all of them and, and get out and about. So do a bit of traveling, get out and about to Europe and do a bit of traveling. Uh, you know, a few hobbies. I have, a, I have a nice little Fender guitar sitting in the corner that I really haven't picked up over the last couple of years. So I want to get up into that. My sister bought me a ukulele for my birthday last year, and I haven't got my head around that at all yet. So, you know, maybe ukulele lessons might be on the cards um i don't know uh i i think i think i'm probably a year's worth of activity that i could think towards and we'll see how it goes after that and of course you you did reference that you do have a, a new grandchild that you're going to end up babysitting yeah, a lot of the time after, yeah yeah no doubt no doubt um and you know that's fine um i i said to sheila my wife and she was saying last year over the course of the year uh, uh, our daughter will be going back to work later this month, and Ed, Sheila was saying, "Well, look, if she doesn't, um, if she doesn't get a childminder, uh, and you know, I'm sure you're in this scenario as well. You've been there. Um, if she doesn't get a childminder, maybe we'll look after Tom for the first one." I said, "Sheila, if you do that, I'm staying in work. Okay, I am not 
retiring to become a childminder. I don't mind now and again, but uh, it's not going to be a full-time activity. The great thing <laughs> as grandparents is you can fill them with sugar and then back. back, but don't forget to fill them with sugar. You know, I, I've noticed that with the grandparents from time to time, where it's like, what did you give Kieran because he's actually bouncing off the walls. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've threatened our daughter, Emma. I've threatened her with, if you don't behave, he's going to get Skittles. Just, <laughs> just to buzz around. But yeah. What, what tips, would, finishing off with, what tips yeah. would you get, give any AV professional? What, what would be your, your going out message? I, I, think, um, I think pick your discipline learn everything you can about it and be enthusiastic about it and you know don't just consider that when you walk out of the office or or your work location that your day is done it's not um you need to be on the internet you need to be you know doing the evicted training read in the trade i remember i'd read every trade magazine going when you used to get trade magazines in the post you know um you'd read them cover to cover so become the go-to person and I think if maybe that's the, the distilled message, become the go-to person for whatever discipline you choose, be it, be it sound, be it vision, be it lighting, be it live, be it, uh, you know, technical, be it support, whatever. Just be the person that someone like me would go to and say, Justin, I've got this problem. How do I deal with it? If you're the person that I'm going to, you'll never be out of work. That's a very true message. I, I I do usually say that if people want to contact you, do people want to? Do you want people contacting you in your retired uh, ends of things, <laughs> Kevin? You know, I look. I, I I have a lot of friends in this industry, and I've had many calls from a lot of those friends over the last few weeks. You know, congratulating me or 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 uh, or just picking up on you know friends that I haven't spoken to for a long time. So I, I'm very happy to give advice, help input to anybody so yeah i don't have any problem with you know it's my choice whether to interact or not afterwards so i i'm, I'm more than happy to give any advice i can to anybody in this industry and where's the best place people can contact you then by email or linkedin or yeah linkedin is probably the best in the first instance i could give email but i don't want my email inbox just to become yeah. completely clogged so i would suggest linkedin uh, i'm maintaining my linkedin account and uh how are you feeling that the fact that you you don't have all the sales reps like on in your inbox anymore? It's uh, it's it's quite illiberate. It took me probably three weeks to stop checking it three or four times a day, um, and and then it was kind of like, do you know, actually, I'm only getting in the way. Uh, just back off. Uh, and the guys called me. They I've had a few calls from them, and I'm absolutely happy with that. I don't have any issue with that at all. Uh, and, and we'll continue that. So I think, you know, you've got to know when you're in the way and when it's time to get out of the way. And I think yeah. that's something I've always tried to do is like, don't, don't get pain in the ass, you know? Um, yeah. But equally be there for people whenever they want it. I'm, I'm, I'm very happy with that. You know, if I can help somebody along the way, that's, uh, that's what we need to do as human beings, really. Absolutely. Kevin, it's been great talking to you. Enjoy the retired life when you're actually able to, to retire and I'm, I'm sure i'm sure that your home cinema idea is it's not just a dream I, I imagine that this is going to actually come into fruition in the not so distant future i certainly hope so i've got the space here in my little uh, you know very nice my little room um that i've lived it, in for the last year is, is, is this your man cave that you have for this yourself is, this is my man cave yeah this has been my uh, work environment for the last 10 months 11 months so um uh so yeah a, a bit bigger than mine like mine is the box bedroom of the house so i i'm not sitting over dublin city i keep on telling yeah. all my listeners like you know i, well, I keep looking at these walls and just going maybe i should paint it a different color and then like i have a temporary green screen and i keep on thinking maybe i should actually paint the wall green and have a proper <laughs> green screen environment but then as soon as i start playing with that i know that it's going to be problematic and then I'll, I'll start doing you know maybe i need a new desk and stuff like that thanks to kevin moore for joining us on the all things techie podcast episode 45 what a great guy could have talked to him all night long 
That's all for me, Justin Dawson. Uh, we will be doing some unboxing videos during the week with the El Gato uh, range. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. We're on all your favorite podcast stores, and we're also on YouTube. So hit that subscribe button, and you will never miss a video. Until next time, take care, guys, and thanks for listening.